If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The A to Z of Disease Podcast. Welcome to the A to Z of Disease Podcast with me, Rose Mokonyo. And today we'll be talking about cervical cancer and uh, we'll get to know what causes it, how does it come about, what are the signs and symptoms, how will you get to know that you have um, cervical cancer, how uh, to do diagnosis. Then we'll talk about management and also how to prevent it. And with me to have this discussion is Dr. Vincent Oyembo, a gynecologic oncologist who works at KUTRH and also has a private clinic as a consultant at Magaribi Health Specialist. Um, so, Karibu Sana, Dr. to this discussion. Thank you very much for having me in your show. Yes. So, uh, briefly tell us what causes cervical cancer and what is this? Uh, thing that you're calling cervical cancer? Uh, I think first of all, I'll start the definition of cervical cancer. Cervical cancer is a cancer that affects part of the womb. Uh, the cervix actually is the opening of the womb or of the uterus, if I use the medical medical term. So it's the most uh, uh, common malignancy in the reproductive organ of the female. But as my colleague rightly put it, it's the leading Second, second most common cancer after breast cancer. But you also rightly put it that is the leading cause of mortality as much as the second most among the cancers in a, in a, in a, in a woman, but is the leading cause of mortality. Uh, cervical cancer is caused by HPV virus. HPV stands for human papilloma virus. Uh, the HPV virus is mainly or 99% uh, transmitted by sexual contact or a body fluid that are infected, or a body contact, uh, which leads now to the progression, lead to what we call precancerous lesions. If you screen them using either the cytology method or the HPV, then you can pick them. If uh, maybe you're not screened or not picked, then it will lead to, to cancer, what we call overt cancer, and then maybe there is different types of um, treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, how will one know, how will a woman know that she has cervical cancer? Uh, the main leading cause of uh, symptoms of cervical cancer is, of course, bleeding, what we call postcritical bleeding, bleeding after sexual activity or sporting. And also we can have what we call uh, false, false smelling discharge. I know the other uh, STIs which cause, causes, uh, causes uh, uh, a discharge, but the, the one for cervical cancer is more pronounced and more, and it's quite uh, strong and you can easily differentiate from the other STIs. So those are the two common leading causes of cervical cancer. But the best thing is actually is uh, to prevent it. As we all know, prevention better than cure by, I mean, going for screening. I mean, if you're above 30, then you qualify for HPV vaccine, which you can do after every five years. If you're below 30, you can still do HPV, but only in specific populations, HIV infected, if you're on immunosuppressant you after organ transplant, or you have these uh, connective uh, disorders like SLE, lupus, 
can still benefit from HPV if you're below 30. But below 30, mainly we, the people prefer using the cytology, the pasmia, uh, which you can screen after every three years or after one year. When do you start the screening is uh, three years after, after sexual debut. Uh, mainly is assumed most of our girls start sexual activity from 21 years. So it's recommended after, after 21 years you should start screening. Or if you started sexual debut earlier at 14, then you start at 17 years. So basically three years after sexual debut, you should start cervical screening using cytology up to 30, above 30, you go for HPV. And the reason for HPV is uh, is more sensitive and more specific. And my colleague recently put it almost 99% effective compared to PAPSMA, which is around 65%. Are there, uh, uh, other than uh, sexual exposure, are there other risk factors that will expose one to HPV? So the risk factors for HPV transmission, one of course is having unprotective, penetrative sex. Two is having multiple partners. Three is having a partner with multiple partners. And also four is having children at an, at an early age, or having many children. The assumption is uh, the more children you have, the more sexual activity you're going to have. So it exposes that. Also, you have non-HPV factors, which is very rare, like smoking, uh, oral contraceptives. But that's very rare. But majority of it is caused by the HPV and those are the risk factors which are associated with it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about diagnosis and uh, staging. What happens? How do you do it? And uh, how will you come up with the stages that we know cancer? So first of all, I'd like to emphasize the, the HPV and the PASMA is purely for screening. It's not for diagnosis. And uh, the beauty about cervical cancer, if I allow me to take a bit, is that it's among the few cancers we have that can be screened. Can be, I mean, you can screen and detect them earlier before they, are, they have become full-blown cancer. So it's good to know that, because I've seen uh, some people think uh, PASME and HPV is for diagnosis purposes. So when a patient presents, of course, with those symptoms, we, we do what we call a cervical biopsy. Uh, we get a small tissue of, small piece of tissue from the cervix, and uh, we take it to the lab, then there are colleagues, the clinical, I mean, the pathologists, the pathologists who look at it and confirm or ascertain that there is a cancer cells. One, there is that, then we institute uh, what we call uh, staging. Staging, you have what we call clinical staging for cervical cancer, where you just use your bare hands and examine the, 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 the patient. Also, you have the imaging staging, where you request for the either CT scan or MRI. Then also we have, of course, the surgical pathological staging that's done after surgery where you remove the uterus and the lymph nodes and you take to the lab. And then uh, our colleagues will tell us the extent of the disease. So after staging now, that's where if you, uh, after testing or screening, you found that so, this particular woman has cancer. Let's assume it's on stage one. How will you manage? How will you be able to manage this according to the stages? So cervical cancer, like any other cancer, stages and most of them are such from stage one to stage four so basically globally stage one is means confined to the cervix doesn't spread far from the cervix stage two is has gone beyond the, the structures near the cervix as the parametrium of the vagina part of it then we have stage three which has gone to the pelvic side walls the hydronephrosis the lymph nodes the pelvic nodes the parotid nodes then we have stage four 
where we have four A and four B, four A is the adjacent organ, that is the inter, uh, sorry, the blood and the rectum. Then four B, we have what you call uh, distant meth or terminal cancer, that is for the lungs, the livers. So according to stages, of course, the early stages, that is stage one to two A, is managed by a surgical intervention where we do such a radical hysterectomy and for dissection. And then from stage 2B to 4A, we don't operate. They're not amenable to operation because, I mean, the key of any oncological surgery is to get uh, negative margins. Uh, from these ones, you can't get negative margins. They're not resectable in a layman's language. So we, we refer them for, what, uh, for chemoradiation. That's chemotherapy and uh, radiotherapy. Then, of course, for stage 4B, which is terminal and is not, not curable, we institute palliative measure and further for palliative chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the surgical one, what exactly are you limiting? Yeah, so surgical uh, entails, first of all, depends on your age. If you are still uh, what we call uh, premenopausal, you haven't achieved your menopause, we, many a times we prefer preserving your ovaries because the ovaries have their own functions, the hormonal functions. So we will remove the uterus plus the cervix. As we said, the uterus and cervix are, are, are one thing. The only thing is that the cervix is the opening of the uterus. So we shall remove the uterus and the cervix and shall remove what we call the pelvic nodes to be taken to the lab and part of the vagina. Like either half or a third of the vagina has to be removed. If you have what you are postmenopausal or almost or perimenopausal, almost approaching menopausal, menopausal, then also we remove the ovaries. But rarely do we have cancer of the cervix spreading to the ovaries. There are few, like like maybe for adenocarcinoma, it's five percent. For the squamous type, is a is a like two percent. Mm -hmm. When we talk about these other methods of uh, treatment, like chemotherapy, chemotherapy and radiotherapy, they are said to have uh, various uh, side effects. What are some of these side effects and how can we manage them? So the, the side effects are attributed to the chemotherapy and radiotherapy are better explained by radio-oncologists, which I'm not one, but I can give my own because they interact with the patient who has side effects. So of course, chemotherapy, we have their, they have their side effects. And they're quite uh, uh, quite toxic. I mean, they'll make you vomit, diarrhea, have what we call alopecia, hair loss, have what we call uh, neuropathy. You have, uh, if you don't feel sensation, we, we can also uh, have have uh, renal issues, like what we call uh, nephrotoxicity, have uh, renal toxicity, can also have cause liver toxicity, can cause also gastro stomach uh, issues. Uh, generally that, and for of course the radiation, uh, we have what they call acute and chronic or early symptoms and late symptoms. The early symptoms of course are uh, vomiting, diarrhea, what we call acute cystitis, inflammation of the bladder, acute proctitis, inflammation of the rectum, acute enteritis, inflammation of the intestines. Uh, we also have the late presentation, which will now be chronic cystitis, chronic proctitis. We have uh, uh, vaginal stenosis, 
uh, fibrosis, uh, chronic enteritis, also can cause what we call fistula sometimes, with vaginal fistulas. And then that. Sometimes people say they really cause chronic malignancy, but it's very not, not as common as. Uh, let's talk about prevention now. Uh, we know we have this uh, HPV vaccine uh, that has been, uh, given to, uh, is being given to girls. And I want you also to talk about uh, the importance of including boys in this prevention of uh, cervical cancer. So first of all, there's a WHO strategy called 1970 uh, This strategy aims at trying to eliminate cervical cancer by 2030. I don't want to be pessimistic, but uh, I'm hoping, because we are like eight years away from that, uh, where they say 90, they want to aim 90% vaccination of girls under 15 years for the HPV virus. Uh, by using the Savirax or Gardasil, there are some HPV vaccine available in the market. And 70, by making sure all women who are below 35 have been screened once using our end performance tests, the, like the HPV, DNA, PCR test, and also repeating one at, at 45. And again, the other 90 is by making sure the 90% uh, of the precursor lesions that have been discovered or diagnosed are treated, and 90% of the invasive lesion, that is cancer, that has been diagnosed is, is also treated. So there's a lot of emphasis towards uh, uh, fighting uh, and trying to eliminate cervical cancer. And also the HP vaccine has been cooperating in our Kenya Expanded Program of Urbanization. So the pilot uh, study which was being done at Kitui, but then now it has been rolled out to other, to other counties so that all girls below 15, 15 years get the HP vaccine. But I mean also women above or girls above 15 should not get. The reason we target girls are below 15 is because they are unexposed. The efficacy of the vaccine is more I mean, more uh, impactful when, or more effective and efficient um, girls who are below 15 and then exposed. But if you are exposed, you can still get the HPV vaccine, but it won't be, it won't be, it won't be as effective as for the unexposed uh, 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 girl or uh, female. So, you have uh, much all our galvanized our resources towards vaccinating the girl child. The reason is mainly the HPV can cause havoc in the boy child. It really mainly causes penile cancer, but it's rare. And it comes only in the fifth decade and above. So you find many countries try to emphasize more on the, on the girl child. And also the bit about the, the vaccine. I mean, I'm not I'm not holding brief for the for the, for the vaccine, but also the HPV, HPV, HPV uh, virus can cause not only that it causes cervical cancer, it causes vaginal cancer, vulva cancer, anal cancer, laryngopharyngeal cancer. So you can see, I mean, once you get it, it can prevent you from all those uh, other types of cancer. So you find uh, you have put up emphasis emphasis more on the on the girl child. To while vaccinating the girl child, but countries like Australia think they are doing both for their both their sexes, the the boy and the on the girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, how about the boys being carriers of this uh, virus? So HPV virus is is a, an an interesting kind of virus in the essence that 
all women who are sexually active. Sorry, I keep on emphasizing on women, but that doesn't mean men are not carriers. Men are equally carriers, but you see the studies we have, the information we have is mainly from uh, women or, uh, or, uh, or, or female uh, gender. So you find like uh, all women were sexually active. By the age of 50, 80% of them have been exposed to HPV virus. The good thing about the HPV virus also is, is, is equally transient. I mean, transient means that doesn't stay long, it clears. The, 40, the body immunity can fight it, yeah. You find another also 80% clears. So the bad HPV virus is the one which keeps, which is persistent in the body, which is going to cause now havoc by progressing to precancerous lesion and eventually to, to a cancerous lesion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Other than uh, getting the vaccine, are there, and of course, uh, I don't know whether there's a way that we can tell people to avoid having sex, but uh, are there other methods of preventing cervical cancer? Of course. Uh, I, don't, I don't think uh, telling people to avoid sex is going to be doable or manageable. Uh, what we should do is avoiding the risk factors, which one is say the starting uh, sexual activity at an early age, uh, using protective, having protective sex, uh, having a, uh, that was very difficult to, I mean, to, to, to deploy, because how do you say, having a partner with less partners, very difficult to, I mean, to measure. You can be faithful, but you know what your partner is doing. But I think the main thing, what we can emphasize is screening, and uh, early screening, early detection, and early treatment. I think that will be the key driver in fighting cervical cancer. Of course, plus the other, the other risk factors, if you're smoking, can quit smoking. Yeah. So, when, uh, in your in your day to day uh, work, how many cases have you seen that have this cervical cancer, and what are the most affected ages, other than just uh, the blankets that we have been giving them of uh, the age group that is usually affected? So, so before the HIV uh, came into place, cervical cancer was mainly associated with women on the fifth, sixth decade, but now with the advent of HIV infections, we are seeing a different demographic, even as a young girl as 18 years old having cervical cancer, girls in their second, their second decade, third decade, having, having cervical cancer. So right now, we, we can't really uh, attribute it to one age group, it cuts across across board, depending on the underlying factors, if you are HIV positive or HIV negative. So that's why we emphasize, like, especially women who are HIV positive, they are more, they are more, they, are, they have a high risk factor of having HIV infection. We emphasize that they should be go for, actually for annual screening, not like the normal population, we should go maybe after three years or five years, but for them at least we insist that they should go for annual screening because they are more exposed there are various factors for having HPV, HPV uh, virus and which will lead to cervical cancer. So, Dr. Ali, thank you very much. Do you have anything else that you might want to add on, on, on this? Definitely. Oh, my, my, my request or my 
what I like to request men, women who qualify for for cervical screening, that is either pap smear or HPV, they should make an effort of doing that because uh, cervical cancer, as I told you, the good thing is screenable, is preventable, and is treatable if it is is if it is discovered at an early stage and also by treated by the right uh, doctor. So thank you so much, Dr. Harit. It's been a very insightful discussion. And uh, as we always say on this podcast, prevention is better than cure. It has been the A to Z of this podcast with me, Rose Mukon. Thank you. The A to Z of disease podcast. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.